Hi everyone, my name is Dr. Michael Wald and you're listening to Ask the Blood Detective. Today's topic, leaky gut disaster. So for those of you new to the show, I'm your host, Dr. Michael Wald, and I'm the Director of Nutritional Services at Integrated Nutrition of Mount Kisco, located about an hour north of New York City. To get show topics to me so that we can talk about them right here on the show, please email me directly at info, like information, info at blooddetective.com. You can also call to schedule with me or to leave your show topics on my voicemail at 914-552-1442. Now, why leaky gut? Well, for those of you who are new to the concept of leaky gut, let me give you a bit of a short definition. Basically, leaky gut is a term that applies to degenerative changes that occur in the small intestine, but also the large intestine and possibly even the stomach. But mostly when you hear about leaky gut, we're talking about changes in the small intestine. And these changes that occur in the small intestine involve the development of what is referred to as a leakiness, therefore leaky gut. So if you could visualize, let's say, a tube, because the small intestine is a tube, and if it were to get a bit leaky, that would mean that there are holes of different sizes in the tube itself. And that essentially is what leaky gut is. Now, there are a lot of different causes and a myriad of different symptoms that result uh, in and from leaky gut. And as you can imagine, since uh, we are holistically minded people, at least I believe that practically everyone listening to this show has some awareness that the body is connected, each each organ and organ system, although we, we speak about them as if they're separate organs, uh, they're really not. Uh, everything is connected. When you affect one thing on some level, we are affecting everything to different extents. And when it comes to leaky gut, nothing could be more accurate, meaning that an issue with leaky gut can cause virtually any symptom that you can think of, whether it's fatigue or muscle aches or cramping, gas, uh, bloating, uh, even depression can be caused uh, as a result of leaky gut, problems with memory, even Alzheimer's dementia. An, e- an increase or a decrease in immunity can result from leaky gut, joint pain, uh, problems with sleeping, maybe uh, getting to sleep or staying to sleep, what we call non-restorative sleep. Joint pain's very common. Uh, problems with the intestinal tract that are obviously intestine, such as constipation and or diarrhea. Even, even sugar cravings can result from problems in the small intestine, which we call leaky gut. Uh, All of the special needs conditions, the entire spectrum of disorders are associated on one level or another to involve leaky gut, either as a cause or being caused by, or at least these conditions being, uh, these conditions resulting in leaky gut. So let, let me say that again. What I just said 
is that virtually any health problem that I could think of can have its root in either being caused by a leaky gut situation or any health problem that you can think of can result in a leaky gut situation. Either way, there's leaky gut. Now, as someone who's been practicing holistic nutrition for nearly 28 years, I can tell you that it's very rare that I see the uh, the leaky gut situation, the leaky gut disaster being um, adequately um, investigated. Sometimes I see patients who their providers have just thrown uh, probiotics at them. So let me just put that myth to the side before we go any further. As important as probiotics are, which as you may know, are positive bacteria or positive fungal organisms that we take usually orally by mouth, although they can be inserted rectally. And the concept is that these organisms would help to populate or repopulate the small intestine, miraculously uh, restoring the health of the gut and therefore the health of the person. Well, I'll give you another quick analogy. If you think of a natural environment like, for example, the uh, Arctic Circle where polar bears live, if we were to take that polar bear out of that environment, which is uh, its ideal environment, and we can put aside for a second all of the environmental impacts on the Arctic Circle and in other places that polar bears live, but for the moment, let's, uh, let's assume that it's a perfect environment for that polar bear. If we take that polar bear and bring it to let's say uh, uh, Brooklyn, for example, <laughs> I'm trying to make a very dramatic comparison, one might imagine that the, the polar bear will probably not uh, thrive in Brooklyn, uh, especially if it can't get its hands on, on you running, running away from it uh, for food. So my, my point is, with the small intestine, if we just throw probiotics in there, into an environment that's not conducive such that those probiotic materials can... Uh, repopulate the gut and can adhere to the small intestine wall, then we're wasting our time. I am not saying, by the way, that probiotics should not be part of a comprehensive approach for uh, the leaky gut disaster, which we're speaking about today. But what I am saying is that in leaky gut, we generally have an acid-base imbalance in the small intestine. That alone would prevent a good number of those probiotic organisms from surviving in the first place in the small intestine. And many of them would simply be washed out in the stool. But if we could somehow reestablish the microenvironment or the macroenvironment in the small intestine, then probiotics and other sorts of nutrients we'll be speaking about a little bit later on would have, actually have a chance in that environment now, another, another very important issue with leaky gut is that some of uh, the patients that I've seen have complained that their medical physicians don't seem to support the concept uh, of leaky gut and therefore pretty much dismiss their concerns, and uh, it's very upsetting. Well, I can tell you that, you know, for someone who I originally went to chiropractic school, and as, as much as there was a good deal of nutrition taught in chiropractic school, uh, I do not remember ever learning about a leaky gut. And the class that we would have learned that in would actually be uh, physiology. Because in physiology, we learn about the microenvironment. 
in histology and anatomy, we also learn about the intestinal tract. We, we, we learn that the small intestine is comprised of these uh, villus cells or villi, which are the absorptive cells in the small intestine. So if you think of that pipe again that we used as an analogy earlier on as being the small intestine, if inside that pipe there were little bumps all over that pipe in every single place of that pipe, those would be the intestinal villi. And on top of those little bumps, there are hundreds and hundreds of projections that come out of there, and those are the intestinal uh, cells. And in various diseases of, let's say, malabsorption, like celiac disease would be a classic example, and what's considered the most common cause by some of leaky gut, a celiac, that those absorptive projections and those bumps are thinned out, they're flattened. And again, a number of causes uh, can result in loss of those villi or absorptive cells. And if someone malabsorbs because of that, virtually any problem can happen. I'll, I'll throw just a few out there. But before I do, I wanted just to complete my thought that, so in chiropractic college, we learn the basics of the anatomy of the gut. In medical school, which I attended and completed and earned my uh, MD diploma, uh, we learned exactly what we learned in chiropractic school about the intestinal tract, which I just told you, and, and maybe possibly a page more, not a whole lot of information. And when I then went uh, to complete my master's degree at an actual brick-and-mortar school, not an online school, and uh, we learned about nutrition, there was no uh, information uh, at all uh, taught about, there's not anatomy taught in nutrition school. There's, not, there's no physiology taught in nutrition school. And that was a master's program. And when I completed my dietitian's license, um, we, knew, we know all about the intestinal tract as, as dietitians. We certainly know about villi. But we're not taught the connection of loss of villi or malabsorption or leaky gut uh, to any condition other than possibly celiac disease. So it's up to the individual practitioner to learn about the dynamics of leaky gut when they're uh, you know, out of school and they t teach themselves essentially. And when that happens, there's a lot of good that can come from self-teaching and then there's a lot of not so good because when an individual does not have a base in physiology and a base in neuroanatomy to then attach missing information, uh, a lot of wrong conclusions can be made, such as, let's just throw probiotics into the gut. Let's just throw glutamine into the gut. So I would actually say that most of my patients that see me know more about leaky gut than their practitioners. It's amazing. But what I'm trying to illustrate with this example of lack of knowledge is simply that you, the health consumer, and as your own personal blood detective, needs to take on the role of the responsible person for your own health, to be your own advocate, and to push for what it is you need, and to never ignore your innate sense of what might be wrong with you. Because when it comes to the leaky gut disaster, I refer to leaky gut as the masquerader of many diseases. Because 
if you cannot absorb due to leaky gut, then anything can happen. If you cannot absorb calcium because of leaky gut, you will have osteopenia or osteoporosis. And you can take all the calcium and bone meal you want. And that's not going to handle the problem. If you malabsorb proteins, which are made of amino acids, and those amino acids are involved in an area of the brain that has to do with um, uh, feeling good, then you might be depression, uh, depressed. You might suffer from chronic depression. If some of those proteins you're malabsorbing uh, are chronic enough and def- deficient enough, you can develop memory problems like Alzheimer's dementia. If you malabsorb from leaky gut to the point where you do not absorb fatty acids very well, like omega-3s, like DHA, the most important of all the omega-3s, then anything nervous system can happen. The brain starts to shrink, uh, inflammation is set up in the body, and from that point on, all hell breaks loose. So when we think about leaky gut, we started off by saying there's this pipe, this pipe has different size holes in it, that's the leaky part And that leaky part results from or results in inflammation. And inflammation increases the size and number of those holes in the small intestine. Now, because we have this this environment in the small intestine that has these holes in it, what happens is, as you might imagine, toxic waste products from the lumen of the small intestine can seep out through the pores, or what they call in the small intestine the tight junctions. Because the small intestine, that tube, with the different size holes in it, right? That tube is made of cells. And those cells should be very tightly abutting one another. And because of inflammation, the cells start to move apart. And the tight junctions between them get larger, correct? And those are the holes, So now you've learned a real term in physiology, tight junction. So the adherence of tight junctions is compromised or are compromised in leaky gut, giving us a leaky gut disaster. So we have toxins from the small intestine or undigested food products from the small intestine. We might have viruses from the contents of the small intestine, bacteria, fungal organisms, and, and as I mentioned, undigested food particles they can leak out of the small intestine. That's called translocation. And then they can go anywhere. But as soon as they're outside of the small intestine environment, the body basically goes nuts. If the body has any sense of immune regulation, the immune system sees these particles and uh, directs antibodies against the small intestine lining and against Anything in the body that were damaged or adversely affected by any of the contents that came out of the intestinal tract. Now, if you had leaky gut to the point where you had tons of material that's coming out of that small intestine into your blood, that would be an immediate medical emergency. We're talking about microscopic, microscopic bits of things and amounts of... Uh, bacteria and other organisms that, yes, they're extremely damaging and could, could ruin your life from a health perspective, but they're not an immediate acute medical emergency.
For example, when someone has a burst appendix, the same thing happens. Undigested food particles are violently and immediately released into the bloodstream along with uh, bacteria and other organisms and whatever else the content of the appendix uh, contained. And that can result in a very an immediate toxic environment and uh, even death of the patient within a very short period of time. So one way to think of a leaky gut or a leaky gut disaster is a disaster, yes, but not an acute medical emergency disaster in most cases. So for those of you just joining us, my name is Dr. Michael Wald, and I'm your host at Ask the Blood Detective. I'm the Director of Integrated Nutrition of Mount Kisco. And I can be reached at 914-552-1442. Please email me or call me with your show topics. The email is info at blooddetective.com. Now, in terms of leaky gut, how do we know we have leaky gut? Most people, when they think of the intestinal tract and getting help, let's say most average individuals that don't have a lot of nutrition sense or a holistic mindedness, they, they might run to their uh gastrointestinal doctor, the GI doctor. And if you mention uh, leaky gut to a GI doctor, they, they, they'll do one of two uh, things. They will look at you and immediately think you're a nutball. Uh, yes, they will, because anyone that asks a question like that to a GI doctor has been reading too much in the minds of the GI doctor. I'm just being very, very uh, frank here. And that doctor will either just shut you down uh, or uh, or say to you that leaky gut is a concept and uh, nothing that uh, that doctor would do for you, given your health problems as you presented them to him or her, uh, would matter whether or not you had leaky gut. The other approach of uh, the physician's or the gastroenterologist's uh, response to someone who says, Doc, I, I, I believe I have leaky gut, can you check it? Would be that that doctor could do a test of leaky gut, and the, the most common uh, leaky gut test is known as the uh, lactulose mannitol test. It basically involves uh, swallowing these different sugars that uh, are different molecular sizes. And depending on how much of these that show up in the urine, you indirectly know uh, the amount of leaky gut. I say the test is a waste of time uh, and that uh, practically any health problem can be assumed to either be caused by leaky gut or result in leaky gut. So you might want to save a f- several hundred dollars on the lactulose mannitol test. There's also another uh, technology by uh, Cyrex Labs, uh, but these are, uh, it has to do with intestinal antigenic permeability screening, which in short means that they check you for these, your body's uh, allergic reaction to different things that might have leaked through your gut. But, but I say, Assume that you have it. We don't need these tests to be positive. In fact, they're positive on so many people that have no symptoms uh, that my 27, nearly 28 years of experience tells me they are a waste of time. But if those of you out there, if there are some of you out there that simply just need to know on paper if it's true, then you could get those tests. I, I like a different test that's not thought of uh, most often with this, but I think it's the best test. And that would be a test where your blood is looked at under a microscope, under different um, strengths of magnification, such as 400 times. And when we look under the microscope 
what you what one could see are the presence of all of the normal blood constituents, red blood cells, for example, white blood cells. Uh, and if you see bacteria or fungal organisms, then certainly there's a leaky gut issue, uh, issue almost almost uh, without a doubt. And also leaky gut tends to cause stickiness of red blood cells. The blood cells will stick in different conformations. It's sort of like if, you're, if you stand up where you are now and in the room you're in, and you, if you had a handful of paper plates and you, and you tossed them on the ground, some of the plates would separate. Others would would lie on top of each other to some degree and, and still other paper plates would stay would remain perfectly on top of one another. The plates that stay perfectly on top of one another uh, are called rouleau, R-O-U-L-E-U-X, rouleau formation. The term rouleau is the French term for stacking. And when red blood cells get very inflamed or antigenically irritated, which happens in leaky gut, you will see the stacking of red blood cells. And like a stack of pancakes, the surface area that are touching the pancakes one on top of the other is lost to oxygen and carbon dioxide exchange. That is basically a red blood cell clot. And this is going on throughout the body, by the way. And um, basically, the red blood cell doesn't live as long. It stresses out the, uh, the cardiovascular system, the lymphatic system, it has to clean it out. And then I mentioned just a moment ago, too, that uh, the presence of bacteria like cocci bacteria, rods, uh, L-forms, candida, blastospores, these can all be visualized uh, microscopically. And the mess that occurs under the microscope, it looks like something you might see, uh, you know, at the Hayden Planetarium in New York City, where you look up and you've got, you've got the whole universe above you. When you look in that microscope, uh, you, it looks like that. Uh, there's that many cell constituents to look at and to assess, and there's a ton of nutritional information that can be gleaned from it. For example, with leaky gut syndrome that's, that's been there a while, there's commonly a B6, B12, and folic acid anemia. And the way that you know that is not by measuring the amount of B6, B12, and folic acid in the serum or the plasma of the blood, which is the regular tests. The way to know, the best way to know if you have an anemia of those three nutrients, which can result in fatigue and sluggishness and behavior problems and energy problems and just slow healing of anything, is when the red blood cell appears too large under the microscope. You generally would see what's called a macrocyte. Macro just means big, and site means, means cell. So those are just a few examples of how well a microscopic representation of the blood can demonstrate issues and or indirect evidence of a leaky gut. So let me again go down a list of the more common symptoms of leaky gut, but I must tell you, if you have any chronic problem, which by definition means you've had that problem for more than a couple of months, that then you might have leaky gut, and that should be addressed. So fatigue certainly can uh, be a side effect of leaky gut because leaky gut, because of the destruction of the absorptive cells in the intestinal tract and the leakiness and the inflammation that results in that small intestine, a person can be tired. The inflammatory response and all those physical changes in the gut can cause fatigue, not to mention the malabsorption. The malabsorption of proteins can cause fatigue. The malabsorption of minerals can cause fatigue. Malabsorption of B vitamins can cause fatigue. And then you'd have this anemia. 
and you can throw iron at it, for example, if it's an iron anemia, or B vitamins if it's a B vitamin anemia, and you probably should, but there's more to do, which we'll address in a few minutes. Um, muscle aches that are chronic and joint pain, very common from leaky gut. As particles and other antigenically stimulating particles are released from the small intestine lumen into the blood, the immune system reacts and it reacts with vigor. And a cascade of inflammatory events occurs. That's why a person can have muscle aches and pains or joint discomforts or pain anywhere in the body because these inflammatory mediators are circulating in your blood. Even brain fog can be caused due to these inflammatory mediators. So it's not as, it's just as simple as, okay, the pores of the small intestine, the tight junctions widen, the stuff in the gut leaks out a bit, that triggers inflammation and all that. But, but many other subtle and very key changes happen. One is, I just mentioned, the immune system goes crazy. And if you are genetically susceptible to rheumatoid arthritis or lupus or multiple sclerosis or diabetes, for example, or cancer, then this could increase your risk of any of those conditions or worsen them. Now, I have read in some literature that uh, there is no evidence of leaky gut being the cause of many of the health problems that I've just mentioned and, and many others. And that may be true, but I can tell you that there is plenty of evidence that leaky gut is associated with all the conditions I just mentioned and a lot more uh, I'll be listing in a second. So you must understand that if you speak to a regular physician, unless that physician has done some extra studying, they will be very ignorant in this area. And for those patients that I've seen, and I've said to you, you know, let's, let's just do what we have to do here. Let's try to put as little focus and energy and, and frustration anymore towards wondering why your doctor doesn't think nutritionally or naturally, why your doctor doesn't accept the, the diagnosis of leaky gut, and just handle it ourselves. You know, I should backtrack by also stating something very, very important. This is a show on leaky gut. So I called it the leaky gut disaster because I've seen it destroy lives. So it's, it's a disaster by, by any definition or stretch of the imagination. Leaky gut is not the cause of itself. I'm going to say that again. Leaky gut is not the cause of itself. So I commonly hear someone will come in and say, Dr. Wald, I, I know my diagnosis. I know it's leaky gut. That's my diagnosis. And I you know, shake my head because I get it. I get it. Leaky gut is, could easily be confused uh, as the primary cause of someone's health issues. But I would ask you to consider this. So leaky gut is present. What caused the leaky gut? Pretty interesting, right? Well, what you'll see online and I caution you about reading too much online, it's just a mess. I, I want to say to you that, you know, I write articles on hundreds of different health topics and they're submitted to various magazines and books every year. And when I am asked to provide technical information for these articles, I am usually contacted by a reporter, a writer or what have you, 
And they may have some sketchy knowledge or awareness of the topic, like leaky gut or whatever it is they want me to speak about. Hormones, vitamins, diet, detox, you name it. And uh, the individual is rarely someone who has any deep understanding. And often when I get the, the final article back, it is just filled with tons of inaccuracies and misunderstandings. And then it goes up on the web. So this show, Ask the Blood Detective, is about getting to the root of things. I could have not mentioned anything about the causes of leaky gut. And someone, some of you may have thought, well, okay, leaky gut, that's it. That's, that's the problem. And not looked further is my point. So if you read stuff on the web, it'll tell you things like gluten is the cause of leaky gut and other so-called inflammatory foods like uh, dairy products um, or sugar or alcohol are the cause of leaky gut. And I would say to you, those are that's almost never true. If you have a gluten problem and you have like celiac disease, yes, that would be an exception to the rule. Celiac disease is a genetic condition of gluten intolerance and malabsorption. The only way to cure it is to remove the gluten. When gluten is eaten by that individual, uh, inflammation is set up in the small intestine, sometimes in the thyroid gland, sometimes on the skin, and, and a couple of other organs, of course, like, like the gut. But beyond uh, celiac disease, one must realize that, okay, if you have leaky gut and you think it's gluten is the cause or dairy or what have you or alcohol, now when we're talking about uh, reasonable amounts of these foods being consumed, you know, our genetics and digestive tracts should be able to handle that. And if it cannot handle it, why? Well, maybe the immune system in the small intestine is not working well and it sets up one's susceptibility to leaky gut. Maybe that the pancreas that secretes protein, starch, and fat-digesting enzymes into the small intestine is not doing that very well, setting up a sick environment of the small intestine, which is leaky gut. So in that case, the problem or the cause of leaky gut would be weak pancreatic output or pancreatic fatigue, which you don't hear much. And I walk my patients through an enzyme loading test to try to determine their tolerance and proper ideal dose of enzymes so that they can cure or um, fix their leaky gut. Another cause of leaky gut could be a faulty immune system. If your immune system in your intestinal tract is not working correctly, when food enters it, the immune system reacts in, in, in such a way that it sets up a local inflammation and leakiness and all of the sequelae, which we've described earlier on as being the definition of leaky gut. You know what I'm talking about, the increased intestinal permeability, the undigested foods and toxic particles and bacteria or fungal organisms or anything that the food might have in it on the small intestine can slowly leak through the intestinal tract. We're not talking, you know, pounds of this stuff. We're talking, we're talking very tiny, tiny amounts of things. And if someone says, and again, if someone's immune system is not working properly in the small intestine, what could happen is an overgrowth of, let's say, candida in the small intestine, or an environment could be set up in the intestine because of a lack of the what's called mucosal immunity that lines the 
small intestine, resulting in parasites and candida overgrowth uh, or bacterial overgrowth that results in SIBO or small intestine bacterial overgrowth. So my point here, folks, is that there's always something else that causes the leaky gut. Leaky gut is just a descriptive term of the fact that the intestinal tract is leaky, but the why or whys that it is leaky needs to be investigated or need to be investigated. For those of you who are just joining us, my name is Dr. Michael Wald. I'm your host at Ask the Blood Detective. Today's topic is leaky gut syndrome. So leaky gut is a leaky gut. Yes, and it causes all kinds of problems and it can be caused by all kinds of causes. So let's talk more about causes. So I mentioned the local immunity in the small intestine. When that's compromised, a leaky gut can result. So the treatment needs to address the local immunity. So let me name several types of autoimmune problems that are associated with leaky gut. Rheumatoid arthritis, uh, lupus, diabetes, obviously celiac disease, um, multiple sclerosis, uh, Graves disease, which is uh, hypo, I'm sorry, which is hyper, which is excessive thyroid uh, excretion and enlargement of the thyroid. And then there's, of course, hypothyroidism, which could be just a regular hypothyroidism or low thyroid or a, an autoimmune-related hypothyroidism known as Hashimoto's. Both low and high thyroid function can result from autoimmune issues. Again, as I said, Hashimoto's is hypo and hyper would be Graves' disease. And then there's a soft tissue autoimmune disease known as scleroderma. All of these conditions are associated with leaky gut syndrome. Psoriasis, certainly. In fact, I've seen illustrations in textbooks of areas of inflammation and psoriasis on the skin related to specific areas of inflammation in the intestinal tract, and that's, that's true for lots of conditions. Anything autoimmune uh, in the ears, a condition called myasthenia gravis, an adrenal uh, disease called Addison's disease, inflammation of the blood vessels known as vasculitis. And then there's something called autoimmune hepatitis, which is an autoimmune-driven destructive condition of the liver. And there's all sorts of lymphatic conditions like autoimmune uh, lymphoproliferative syndrome. And let's see, oh, there's clotting disorders like antiphospholipid syndrome and others. Uh, B12 anemia that I mentioned earlier. Uh, vitiligo, which is a condition where the immune system attacks the melanin in the skin, resulting in these white patches. All of these conditions, all of them, are associated with some degree of leaky gut syndrome as a cause, probably. Problems with the gallbladder, uh, hair loss in both men and women, just regular rheumatism, just when the joints just hurt, and when the muscles hurt, any polymyositis, there is just general, like a general diagnosis of immunodeficiency, uh, load, lower immunity, commonly has to do with the malabsorption of, of nutrition that 
cause a faulty immune system. And the list goes on and on. I can go on all day. Uh, anything nervous system, anything gut. So I hope that that list and others and just about anything you can mention can be caused or causes leaky gut because there's an intimate relationship between every part of the body and the intestinal tract and it goes both ways. And you know, it's always difficult to definitively say that this or that condition is uh, the cause of something else because the body is so in, you know, intricately connected with its other aspects. How do we really know? Sometimes it's it's obvious. You know, if if someone had a, had a gunshot wound, you know, uh, to their abdomen and there's bleeding, we know the cause of that bleeding is the gunshot wound. But when it comes to the body breaking down in different ways, sometimes it's it's virtually impossible to prioritize the causes and effects. And uh, I recognize that on a very deep level when it comes to approaching the care that I provide to patients is that I'm always looking at the entire body as a base first. There's certain nutritional basic needs that everyone needs. And then there's each individual has their fundamental nutritional needs and lifestyle needs. And then each individual may have one or more symptoms. Maybe it's some memory loss. Maybe they have gas or bloating. Uh, maybe they have eczema. Maybe they have some other disease, whatever it is. And then there's the nutrition that studies show may be important for those conditions. And every practitioner should be mindful of what the science says and studies, what's called evidence-based medicine says about, okay, well, how do you treat those autoimmune conditions? How do you treat Lyme disease? How do you treat food allergies? How do you treat nervous system diseases, bone diseases, whatever it is? And then as your own personal blood detective, you want to go a step further looking at laboratory tests that are appropriate based on a detailed conversation about what your current issues are, how long they've been around, where you'd like to be and when, and what you're willing to do to get there. And that determines what tests. So we've got tests, we've got the science, and then we've got the experience of the healthcare provider that thinks of all of that on your behalf and along with you towards restoring your entire body to health, not just throwing probiotics in your intestinal tract. So whether we're speaking about nervous system diseases, hormone diseases, whether we're talking about immune conditions, remember, we don't have to be thinking only about disease here, like diagnoses, because there is, I've said this before on shows, you know, there's, there's health, and then as we progress through life, there's diseases, and then finally disease, and then there's death. But the disease part, in my uh, experience, is where most people are. They may not have firm diagnoses for things, but they've got chronic symptoms and complaints. And these are uh, opportunities, in my view, to repair the body, repair the entire body by, and this is my mantra, that you need what you need for your needs. I'll say it one more time. You need what you need for your needs. So if you walk into a health food store and there's a bottle of uh, nutrients up there and it says leaky gut disaster cure formula 
and it does not have what you need for your immune, local immunity in your gut. It does not know your genetics. It does not know, know the rest of your health problems and symptoms. It does not know what medications you might be on, how much exercise you do or do not do. My point here is, as, I, as I'm sure you can understand, is there can never be something just made for you uh, on a shelf. It needs to be figured out through some careful consideration through conversation, that's a health history, through testing, and through what the, the evidence-based nutrition and medical literature says. And then that's your cure for your leaky gut because no one's leaky gut is the same. It might be similar in some ways. It is by definition a leaky gut, stuff leaks out, the immune system responds, there's inflammation. But beyond that, the the rest of the the body and how it manages itself in response to the intestinal tract must be looked at individually so let me let me summarize and clarify a couple of important things so anything any abuses of the digestive system that result in leakiness is therefore that becomes your leaky gut so the gut develops uh, what we call a subclinical or very low grade it could be higher grade though level of inflammation and a whole bunch of different symptoms occur because of that they can be very broad they can range from asthma to abdominal pain to chronic joint pain gas uh, fuzzy thinking generalized indigestion, uh, poor immunity, as we spoke about, uh, mood swings, um, vaginal infections, uh, skin rashes, uh, diarrhea, constipation, even bladder infections. Uh, fevers of unknown origin can be from leaky gut, uh, poor memory, uh, an odiferous uh, quality of the stool and bloating, uh, just bad uh, bowel habits and changes, even changes in personality like aggressive behavior, anxiety, uh, fatigue, uh, and just feeling toxic. So those are some of the potential symptoms of, of leaky gut. And, you know, earlier when I talked about causes, yes, consumption of alcohol and preservatives and saturated fat, um, consumption of, of refined and processed sugars and white flours and GMOs, no doubt, um, specific allergies to you, a low fiber diet, food obviously matters. But because your digestive system may be getting weaker for various reasons, maybe your stomach lining and the cells of the stomach are not producing enough stomach acid or your pancreas is not producing enough pancreatic enzymes, you can develop all these intolerances to these foods. So those foods like I just mentioned, they're 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 on my bad list. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, a person with a decent intestinal tract should be able to to manage a certain amount of alcohol and a certain amount of sugar and without, you know, falling to pieces. So, this is a very important distinction, folks. You can remove a lot of things from your diet, like like those I just mentioned, you know, refined and processed sugars and and uh, gluten grains, etc. But uh, And you can feel much better. But that's avoidance therapy. You want to be able to remove those things, fix your gut, and then maybe you might have some of those things once in a while. Or maybe you won't, but you'd have the choice. So oftentimes, you know, if you had a gallbladder problem, what happens? A, a really bad gallbladder problem with pain. You might have to report to the emergency room. And they may or may not bring you right into surgery, but... Commonly, you'll be admitted, 
and then they'll give you an IV drip of water, and then they will take you off all food. They'll put you on what's called NPO, nothing per oral. And after uh, a few hours, you're feeling great. Your, your pain is practically gone or much better. Why is that? Well, that happens because when you just remove food in general, the digestive tract can calm down. So a lot of times, people will get food allergy tests. This really annoys me. They come in with these food allergy tests, and they're allergic to everything. And they say to me, how can I possibly eliminate all these foods, etc.? Remember, folks, leaky gut? You have undigested food particles entering the bloodstream through the leaky gut barrier. Your immune system is going to react to all of that. And you're going to get all of these false positive food allergy tests. Did you, did you hear me? This is so key. I teach this at my professional level seminars. I'm teaching a, a seminar in uh, Pittsburgh uh, on autoimmune diseases in April. If you want more information about that, uh, just go to my um, – well, email me at info at blooddetective.com. I'll be posting that up on my Facebook page soon enough. But my point here is that if you do a food allergy test, I don't care how good the test technology might be, you're going to get a ton of false positive food allergens because those foods that leak through your gut, they're not really food allergens. Any chronic inflammation – I'll say it again – any chronic inflammation will produce false food allergy tests. So yeah, you can eliminate 95 foods and not eat just like the person in the hospital who, who doesn't eat with a gallbladder attack and you will feel good. But that will fool you into thinking that those were the right foods to eliminate. All that's going to do is cause malnutrition and a neuroticism around food that makes people miserable. Then they start suffering from malnutrition because they just never get their diets quite right. So what am I saying? If a person also, by the way, were on steroids, which are strong anti-inflammatories, your food allergy test, if you were on steroids, would be falsely negative. So the first thing we need to do is work on your inflammation so that certain tests are more accurate because inflammation causes a lot of false tests, particularly in the allergy test area. This is very rarely discussed. And again, I teach it at my seminars. The doctors get it. They understand it. They just never thought about it. But when it, when it comes to avoiding leaky gut syndrome, yes, the most obvious thing to do would be to prioritize and be mindful of the foods that you consume. Uh, taking a real look at your relationship to food. You know, that stuff that you're putting into your body that's running everything and not eating those foods that seem to be associated with just disease in general. So through the evolution of uh, hominids, we have reduced our omega-3s in our diet. We have increased the pro-inflammatory omega-6 grainy foods. We eat more saturated and trans fats uh, than we had done at any other point in history. Our uh, food chain is rich with uh, sugars uh, and lower in fiber. And the list goes on and on, as you might imagine. So you want to eat more in the, the, the paleo direct direction. And for those of you, I, I don't have a lot of time to talk about paleo now, except for the fact that it's almost all nonsense. You should listen to my diet, What's Wrong with Healthy Diets? Or listen to my show, that is, What is Wrong with Healthy Diets? That you'll find on my website at www.integratednutritionny.com.
www.bloodtheatrecordsandmusicbusiness.com. It's under the blog section. Or you can go to blooddetective.com. So we make certain changes in our diets. We reduce stress in our lives. We wake up and go to sleep at the same time. We drink purified, uh, non-toxic water. Uh, we do all of those things in terms of our life hygiene. Now let's talk about nutritional supplements because they play a critical role in repair of not just the leaky gut itself in the gut, but the rest of the body if we don't know what true causes and effects are. Yes, I said that you can treat leaky gut even if you don't know its original cause or causes. And here's why. Different nutrients, or I should say a given nutrient, may have a variety of effects in the body and in the case of the leaky gut disaster can target multiple potential causes without hurting a person. The first supplement would be, yeah, you guessed it, probiotics. I use a pharmaceutical-grade probiotic that I put together. It's known as Superbugs. You can find it at blooddetective.com. And, it's, and it's, uh, contain, it contains a specific combination of probiotics that have been extremely well studied. And not all probiotics are the same, just like not all foods have the same quality. The probiotic superbugs should be eaten with uh, a protein meal or at least something that has protein in it because by doing that, you will double the yield or the usefulness of that probiotic. I also give my patients what's called Saccharomyces boulardii, which is an antifungal probiotic because that is sometimes a an issue with leaky gut or its many causes. Now, I just described two probiotics. One is called Saccharomyces boulardii and the other one is called Superbugs. And these obviously repopulate the intestinal tract, at least potentially, with, with themselves. But both of these probiotics are known to affect the nervous system, to help the nervous system communicate with the digestive system, and to help regulate the immune system. So if there is a nervous system or immune system cause of leaky gut, you actually have something there in probiotics to help manage that and you're putting probiotics in the intestinal tract. So this is a holistic use of probiotics. Then I use my uh, fiber supplement, which you'll find at blooddetective.com. All these nutrients you can find on my website at blooddetective.com. The proper balance of soluble and insoluble fibers is our key because they absorb toxins, they flush out the intestinal tract, they reduce the load of toxins in the intestinal tract, therefore giving the intestinal tract a, an opportunity to heal. But fiber also causes the production in the body of two very important uh, compounds known as caprylic and butyric acids. And these acids help to restore the normal pH in the uh, intestinal tract, creating an environment where the probiotics can survive and the cells can heal and the inflammation can go down. So fiber also, of course, uh, lowers cholesterol and it has immune modulating effects. Next would be digestive enzymes. So I put together a combination of enzymes that help support and provide pancreatic enzymes 
the proteases, the amylases, and the lipase or the fat digesting enzymes. Now, enzymes are very key because not only do they help you digest food, making the food in transforming it, that is, into tiny little particles, tiny, 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 tiny particles. In many cases, the particles from, let's say, a protein might be amino acids, and from fats might be fatty acids, and from starches might be sugars, and, and sometimes there's other sized particles. Too much for us to get into here. My point is, enzymes allow foods to be broken down to such a point where they are not so antigenic and pro-inflammatory. Even a person who's gluten intolerant, not celiac, but gluten intolerant, can become much more tolerant to gluten if they have enzymes because enzymes break down the gluten and also probiotics break down gluten. So both probiotics like superbugs and enzymes, my product is called uh, Detox Absorb. That's my enzyme product, Detox Absorb. Uh, the enzymes in the, that product have been shown to do what I just mentioned. And then there's the use of glutamine. Glutamine should be in a powder form. Glutamine is the most abundant amino acid in the human body and it is absolutely essential for the local immunity uh, restoration in the gut and the glutamine acts as a fuel so that the intestinal cells can rebuild themselves. So just adding glutamine into a leaky gut uh, helps to heal the gut in half the time on average. Now, glutamine also has a role in repairing things in all of those other diseases I mentioned earlier. There's very few exceptions. So far, the supplements I've suggested are good in just about any health problem. However, you should, if you have serious health issues, uh, you should not take nutritional supplements without guidance. You need guidance. So this, that was my, my disclaimer. So the amount of glutamine is usually about anywhere between 5 and 10,000 uh, milligrams a day. And uh, boy, there's so much more to say on the other roles of these supplements I've just mentioned. But uh, just to continue to give a few others, another important one is the use of hydrochloric acid with betaine and pepsin. So the stomach lining makes hydrochloric acid. You eat food. If you don't have enough stomach acid, and if you're 50 or older, you probably don't. And if you have chronic health problems of, of any kind and you're younger than, well, of any age, either younger than 50 or older, you probably have what's called hypochlorhydria or low stomach acid. A person with heartburn usually actually has low stomach acid. They just have too much stomach acid in the esophagus, which causes heartburn or, or GERD, gastroesophageal reflux disease. My point here is that if you have low stomach acid, then when your stomach moves food from the stomach, it will not be fully digested. So after the stomach, food enters the small intestine. And the, there is neurohormonal signals that know that that food just got to the small intestine. So that's going to trigger your pancreas, which is also partly a digestive organ, to release those protein, fat, and starch digesting enzymes. But if the stomach did not do... It's protein digestion well because you don't have enough stomach in, uh, stomach acid in your stomach, then your pancreas can overwork. And when this continues over time, we have issues with a hypo or fatigued pancreas along with our hypochlorhydria, which is low stomach acid. So low stomach acid 
sets us up for low pancreatic enzymes, which screws up the, the intestinal milieu or environment. We can have overgrowth of bacteria in the stomach. We certainly have overgrowth of bacteria or small intestinal bacterial overgrowth in the small intestine, which is part of leaky gut. So again, if, if that's true and we need stomach acid now, right? And we need pancreatic enzymes. We better get those things going, not just throw probiotics in the gut. All these things need to do together and in the right combination for different people. And because uh, the leaky gut situation will sometimes cause fungal overgrowth, I will usually use nutritional antifungals or nutrients that have been studied in the right combinations consistent with the evidence, not just take you know the oregano oil. Is it the right dose? Is it pharmaceutical grade? Is it in combination with the other aromatic acids, for example? So I use something called candida complex. And then I'll base the dose of all of these things on the lean mass of the patient, you know, the metabolic rate of the person, plus many other factors. Now, beyond the supplements I've just mentioned, and beyond the basic dietary factors that I've mentioned a few times throughout the show, the way to manage leaky gut is to realize the gut is part of the whole body. So you look at the chemistry in the body, you do a detailed intake and conversation with a trained healthcare provider, and then you prioritize the lifestyle, including the nutrition, the exercise, and whatever else needs to be managed for what you need. Remember what I said? You need what you need for your need in leaky gut or anything else. We handle your needs, and then we focus on those things like those supplements I just mentioned for leaky gut. We talked about superbugs, Saccharomyces boulardii, Candida complex, stomach acid, and a detox, absorb enzymes as just a few along with glutamine. So we're going to have to leave it here in the area of leaky gut. For those of you who want to contact me, my name is Dr. Michael Wald. You've been listening to Ask the Blood Detective. Call me. You can schedule up a uh, phone or distance consultation with me or a face-to-face at 914-552-1442. Please send me your questions and comments and radio show ideas to info at blooddetective.com. My websites are blooddetective.com and also integrated nutrition ny.com. Now the next show, you're going to love this one. It's the one you love to or hate to love or love to hate or however it goes. I call it toe tagged before your time. Yep, you heard it right. Toe tagged before your time. I'll be discussing the, the ways in which you're, you're basically killing yourself from the moment you wake up until the moment you go to sleep. So we'll see you next time. Take care. Show you a statue, told you to 